Welkom by SL Gemeente Media. Afrikaans sermon. Baie dankie, Jesus. Amen. Okay, now that that one's out of the way, I'll uh, work on my uh, English sermon. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read uh, the first 10 verses and I we use the uh, English Standard Version at uh, City Temple these days. Uh, I know you might have the NIV and the like, but, uh, or your Afrikaans Version. You can follow along. Before we read, let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the Bible. We thank you that it is trustworthy and true. That it really is your word to us. And that you use it to speak to us by your Spirit every day. Every time we open it. We thank you, Lord that you have inspired this book, that you have made sure that it was transmitted to us in a reliable format, and that we can know confidently that this is your word to us in its entirety. And so we come to you and we surrender ourselves to you, and we ask that you speak to us this day. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I could bring your word to your people boldly and faithfully, to the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. For we pray all this in His name. Amen. Paul is writing here, and he says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the grace, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. May God bless to us this reading from His Holy Word. Well, this past Wednesday, uh, Karen and I were invited to an exclusive uh, uh, preview of a major film that will be released here in the UK uh, in April. And uh, you might recognize the star of the film, a guy named Martin Sheen, uh, who uh, is the star of The West Wing. He played the president. Uh, I never saw that film very much. Uh, that TV show much, but uh, uh, I think that's where he became quite popular. And it was directed by his son, Emilio Estevez. And so we were invited to come along with a, a number of other Christian leaders because it's a, a faith-based film. Uh, many might know that uh, Martin Sheen is a, a, a very devout Roman Catholic. 
and uh, and the film takes place in Spain. Actually, it's called The Way, and uh, it takes place on what's called the Camino del Santiago. Uh, it is a, uh, a pilgrim route that goes from the Pyrenees in France all the way to uh, Santiago de Compostela in Spain. And the story is about this man whose son uh, is about 40 years old. He decides he wants to go and walk the Camino del Compostalo, uh, or this Camino. I'll say it there because I can't pronounce it very well anyway. Uh, and so the son goes, and on the first day he gets lost in the Pyrenees and dies in a major storm. And so the father has to go and uh, collect his son's body. And while he's there in France collecting the body, he decides that he will walk this Camino uh, in, uh, in place of his son. That he really wants to get to know who his son is and he wants to walk along the Camino. And so the story is, uh, the film is about the, the journey that this father makes uh, all across Spain and the people he picks up along the way. It's compared in some respects to The Wizard of Oz. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of the Canterbury Tales. Uh, you may have read those uh, Chaucer poems and the like. Uh, and uh, it was a very, very excellent film. And I do highly commend the film except for one scene in the film that I, I was tempted to yell at the screen. Uh, I, I've never quite done that. I've walked out of films before, but I've never quite yelled at the screen, and I, and I thought maybe it might not be in the best taste to do so. But anyway, uh, they, they're all walking along, and they've got four of them now, three others that are walking with the father. He's collected along the way. And they come to this big pile of stones, and, uh, and they reach in their pockets, and the father had actually been given a stone by the police chief in the French village where he started. And the chief said, you'll know what to do with this when you get to the place. And uh, so he picks out the stone that he was given, and, and this other woman that's been walking along picks out her stone, and she tosses it on the, the, the rock heap, and she has this prayer that's written out. And she starts to pray it and, and gets all broken up. So he takes the prayer and he prays the prayer. And it's something like this. It's like, Lord, you know, let this pilgrimage, when I stand before your throne, be held in the balance of my good deeds so that maybe my good deeds will outweigh my bad in that day. Something like that. And I just wanted to yell at the thing because it was just so frustrating and so Roman Catholic. I mean, uh, sorry. I hope there's no Roman Catholics here. If there are get grace i mean that's uh sorry uh, but uh uh you know I, I, some of my best friends are roman catholics so isn't that a terrible thing to say well they're not actually that's a total lie but anyway going back to the story the film up until this point and even after this point is so beautiful because it speaks so much of god's grace in fact when you look at the film in its entirety it really is reflective of our life. And, and the understanding of the film, aside from that one scene, is that really all life is a gift. And we don't know how long it will last. We don't know where the, the path will take us. But we know that along the way, we will have many, many moments of grace. Many, many moments of gift from God. And uh, the father didn't even recognize that the rock that he was able to throw on the pile was not a rock that he picked up himself. It was not a rock that he collected, but a rock that had been given to him by another believer in Jesus. And it was such an amazing thing, except for that silly little prayer there in the middle of it. And it just reminds us of how all of our life is a gift. All of our life is an expression of 
of God's grace. Everything we are, everything we have, flows from the grace of God. Now, grace is God's undeserved favor. Grace, by its very definition, means you cannot earn it. There's nothing you can do to get it. You cannot manufacture it. You cannot buy it. You cannot do enough good works. You cannot pray enough good prayers to get grace. But if we really understand it, everything that comes to us, everything good in our lives, is an outflow of grace. You know, those of you that uh, have the, the blessing to be married, marriage is an outflow of grace. You know that every time that a husband and wife enter into the marriage bed and, uh, and perform that beautiful gift of God, that's an act of grace. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. And if you try to force it, there's actually another word for it, and that word is rape. You ever think about that? It's the difference. Grace is a gift. It is part of our lives. It is the outflow of God's heart to humanity. And God is ultimately a God of grace. And we so often don't understand that, especially as Christians. These verses I read today are some of my favorite, especially verses 8 and 9. For we, you, we all, by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It is a gift of God, and it's overwhelming as it comes to us. But we as human beings, we like to think that we can get it ourselves. We like to think that we can work for it. One of my favorite illustrations of sharing the gospel uh, was developed by uh, Bill Hybels. And you might have heard this, the, the do versus done. Uh, religion is spelled D-O. It is about what you do to try to get to God. The problem with religion, whether it's Christian religion or Islamic religion or uh, Hindu religion or Buddhism, Buddhist religion or any other religion you might want to develop or make up is that you can never know when you've done enough. You can never know, is my doing enough? In fact, the Bible tells us that we can never do enough. That even if we do all the time, we'll never even get close to what needs to happen. So Christianity, true biblical Christianity, is spelled differently. It's spelled D-O-N-E. It's about what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But we don't like that. Even Christians don't like that. We like to think that we can earn it a little bit. We like to think that we can work hard for it. We like to think that with Jesus' help, Jesus can come alongside of us. This is especially true for us men. Uh, That Jesus comes alongside of us and He kind of helps us out, but really we do it ourselves. And we do it just with a little bit of help from Jesus. Now that Jesus has, has saved us, now that we're Christians, then all, all that we need to do is Jesus to come along, give us a little boost, and we can take it from here, Jesus, because we've got it in, in our hands. We've got it in control. But that's a lie. Because everything is by grace. And Paul, in the, the verses that preceded this, and I won't go into great detail to it, 
But in the verses he, that preceded uh, verses 8 and 9, he tells us exactly the way the situation was before we knew Jesus. He says, outside of Christ, you were once walking in sin. We don't do it any longer, but we once did it. It's different now. Oh, yeah, we still sin, but we don't walk in it. We don't try to live in it. We try to live out of it. We want to be out of the sin. He said, now, you were dead because of your trespasses and sin in which you once walked because you followed the course of the world. You were going with the flow, but the flow wasn't the spirit. The flow was the flow of the world. And you were living under the influence of the prince of the power of the air, which we discover later on is Satan, is the devil. And you were just following your flesh. You were following that aspect of humanity that wants its own way, that constantly pulls away from the way of God. So you think that you're, you're, you were your own person. You think that you were really free, but you weren't. You were in bondage to the flesh, to the world, and to the devil. And that is the case for all human beings. Everybody outside of Jesus is in bondage to the world, the flesh, and the devil. No matter how free they claim to be, they're in this bondage. I love it with teenagers. I don't know if any of you have teenagers. Uh, I don't, but I've been around them enough, uh, quite a bit of my life, to, to see this phenomena. And it's, it's the same phenomena. It doesn't change. You know, the, the teenager, he gets to be a little bit older. Maybe uh, in this day, they want to wear their trousers a little baggy, you know, and you can see something in the back uh, there uh, more than you ever wanted to see, uh, especially if you're not the parent. And uh, so they're, they're wearing the trousers down. You think, gosh, they're going to fall and kill themselves someday. And uh, sometimes you secretly wish they would, but that's another story. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and they have the long hairstyles and everything like that. And, and, uh, and, and, and you, you talk to them about it and they say, well, I've got to be my own person. I've just got to go the way I feel like I need to go. You know, I just need to dress my own way, do my own thing. And then you see them going together with a group of their friends, all of whom are wearing their trousers down baggy, all of whom have the holes in the same place, wearing the same style of, uh, of, of sports shoes, uh, wearing the same style of hat and all of that. And you think, no, you're not going your own way. It's a real myth. It's a lie. We can't do anything to really make our lives right. We cannot do anything really to live our lives on our own. In fact, we are prisoners of the world, the flesh, and the devil outside of Jesus. But Jesus changes all of that so that we can experience what God calls salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. Now this word salvation, it's a great word in the Bible. It has a comprehensive meaning. We tend to think of salvation just in terms of uh, I get saved and then I go to be with God when I die and in the meantime I have to deal with the muck of this world and I'm not really saved. But that's not the Bible's understanding of it. Salvation in the Bible is more than spiritual salvation. It's more than eternal life. Salvation refers to the comprehensive nature of our lives. Salvation is about healing. It's about deliverance in every area of our life. Not only spiritually, but also physically. Deliverance from our sin. Deliverance from the power of the enemy. Uh, healing in our relationships. Healing in our finances. Healing in our world systems. This idea of salvation is a very comprehensive thought. 
And it tells us, it points us to the fact that even though this world is still broken, there will come a day when Jesus returns and everything is transformed. Everything is changed and will experience the fullness of God's salvation in Jesus Christ. But for now, we still experience salvation. Salvation still comes in its comprehensive sense, and we get tastes of that even as we experience eternal life. And our eternal life with God is not something we get after we die. It's actually something biblically that starts the minute we come to faith in Jesus Christ. The minute, the moment, the instant that we become Christians, Paul tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And that happens instantly when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. So we are saved by God's grace through faith. The salvation that we experience comes from the grace of God and in a sense is activated by faith. Now, the grace of God is all around us. God's grace is what keeps this world from completely flying apart. God's grace is what allows us to experience goodness and moments of beauty in our lives. God's grace is what allows us to have relationships with other human beings. God's grace is what allows us to enjoy the beauty of God's creation. God's grace is what uh, uh, prevents this world from being totally overcome by the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're constantly surrounded by the grace of God, but so many people miss the grace of God because they don't uh, achieve it or, or, or grab onto it by faith. They don't, if you will, activate the grace of God in their lives by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Now, this is a comprehensive statement for the Bible. Every other verse about salvation needs to be understood in the context of this verse, in my opinion. So when uh, the guys go to Peter on the day of Pentecost and says, Oh, what do we need to do? Peter says, well, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Um, now, that is an expression of being saved by grace through faith. Peter's not saying there that they do works, and by these works they get saved. Or when uh, the Scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is not a work. Or when Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart is not a work. It is an expression of being saved by grace through faith. And so this is a comprehensive idea. How were the guys saved in the Old Testament? They were saved by grace through faith. This is how God has always operated through salvation, saved by grace through faith, saved by grace through faith. The difference in the Old Testament is they were looking forward in faith to the deliverance that God was going to bring in Jesus Christ. And for us today, we understand that deliverance in Jesus Christ. There's no salvation outside of Jesus. I'm not saying that there's a magic formula whereby Muslims can be saved by grace through faith and have nothing to do with Jesus. No, that's not what the Bible is telling us. And that's not what Paul is telling us here. But we are saved by grace through faith. And that is the key thing to understand. Now, we might be tempted here then to say, well, 
Okay, well, my faith, my faith then actually saves me because if I'm saved by grace through faith, then it's really the faith that activates the grace. And so it's my faith, it's the faith that I work up, it's the faith that I get that actually saves me. But Paul goes on and says, no, that's not the case. He says, you're saved by grace through faith. And this, this faith, is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not by works. So Paul says, now don't think that you can say, oh, okay, I mustered up enough faith to be saved. No, we, the faith that we have is given to us by God. Everything that we have is a gift from God. Every experience of grace is a gift from God. Every expression of faith is a gift from God. And it is not by works. It is not by anything that we do so that nobody can boast about it. No one can say, this is my doing. No one can say, this is my work. No one can say that I have done this myself. Because the faith that we have is a gift from God. Even the very faith that activates the grace is a gift from God. I've gotten to a point, I really believe in evangelism. And I love to share the good news about Jesus. But I I don't know about you, recently, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but recently the prayers that people have been taught to teach others to pray uh, have been very hollow to me. And so often it's like, okay, well, you need to become a Christian and you do so by praying this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. Uh, Please forgive my sins and please come and lead my life. Now that's a great prayer. That's a great prayer. But you know, that prayer doesn't save anybody. Praying that prayer doesn't make you a Christian even... uh, even as saying, I love hamburgers, makes you a frequenter of McDonald's. There's nothing magical about that prayer. In fact, there is no prayer that you can pray that will save you. Because we are saved by grace through faith. And I've had a real struggle giving invitations to faith for people. Because unless people have been given the faith by God, they cannot be saved. Because we're saved by grace through faith, and this faith is a gift of God. And so a lot of times those prayers seem really hollow to me. Especially when I see people that pray the prayers in a moment of desperation, and their hearts aren't really changed. There's nothing really different about their lives, except that they've said a few words. And that makes it no difference than than saying the rosary or reciting the Lord's Prayer or saying the the, the heart of uh, Islam or saying the, the Shema from the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It doesn't change anything just saying those things. Now, I'm not against the prayer. And I'm not against people praying the prayer. But understand that we are saved by grace through faith. And the prayers that people pray need to be an outflow of the heart that in a sense has already been saved by grace through faith. You know how you can say Jesus is Lord? Paul tells us the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. No one can say Jesus is Lord 
except by the Spirit of God, except by being saved by grace through faith. All of our life is an expression of God's grace. Now, we need to share the gospel. We need to tell as many people as we can possibly tell about the good news of Jesus. That's what God wants us to do. But when we understand this saved by grace through faith, you know, it takes off an awful lot of pressure because it means it's not up to our persuasive powers to bring someone to faith in Jesus. You understand that? Jesus tells us in, uh, in John that it's the Holy Spirit that will convict the world with regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. And that's not our job to do that. We don't save anybody by the way that we proclaim the gospel. In fact, God is saving people through the mouths of little children proclaiming the gospel all around the world. God is saving people by His grace through faith by visiting them in dreams, by giving them uh, messages, by empowering them just to pick up the Bible and start reading, and all of a sudden their hearts are changed and convicted, and, and they say, you know, I believe, I, I, Jesus is my leader, and, uh, and I really believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. How do we do that? We do that because we're saved by grace through faith. And when we understand all of life is a grace we understand some very important things first of all you understand that you are a different person because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ now, a lot of times we like to beat ourselves up we like to say you know I'm just a miserable sinner and I'm just barely going to get into the gates of heaven uh, because maybe I've got just a few more good deeds than my, my miserable deeds, or Jesus was you know, so kind to, to just deal with a worm like I am, and now I'm going to squirm around like a worm. But you know, that's not what Paul says in Ephesians. He says, we were once dead in the trespasses and sin in which we once walked, we once went with the flow of the world. We once were under the power of the devil. We once were subject to the flesh. But that's not true any longer. God has made us alive together in Christ Jesus. And you, as we saw, sang in one of the songs, you are a son of God. Whether you're a man or a woman, you are a son of God. And as I like to remind you, ladies, if I can be the bride of Christ, you can be a son of God. You know, just start thinking about me in one of those white wedding dresses and uh, you're going to get the message there. And that's a manly thing, guys. Manly thing to be brides of Christ, be the bride of Christ, because that's us together. But that is who we are. That is who we are. We are sons of God right now. We're the brothers of Jesus. We're in God's family right now by God's grace through faith. That is who we are. And when we begin to understand that, then we start to understand that part of our role in life is to be communicators of the grace of God to the people around us, to the world around us. So often, the church of Jesus Christ, what it's done is communicated bad news. God hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. God wants to strike you dead, you miserable sinner. If you don't come to faith in Jesus, He's going to cook you like a crispy critter. Now, it is true that people outside of Jesus spend an eternity separated from God in hell. 
But that's their doing. Rejecting the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Don't blame God. And our role is to communicate the grace of God and to encourage people to respond by faith. And no matter where we go, we need to be communicators of the grace of God. The grace of God needs to flow out of our lives in the workplace, everywhere we are in the marketplace, in the schools, in our homes. The grace of God needs to be flowing out of our lives because everything that God has given us, everything we have is a gift from God. And that means that we need to take this gift and start giving it to other people. And then we also need to realize that it's not up to us to save the world, to change the world. We need to do what God has called us to do, live by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, obey God as He tells us what to do as we live our lives, and then leave the results up to God. And when we do that, it begins to take a lot of the pressure off of us. And we don't have to worry about getting all the works right. We don't have to worry about doing all the right things in the right way. We just need to orient our lives toward Jesus so that everything we do, we're, we're seeking to go toward the one who has communicated so much grace to us. And as we orient our lives in the direction of Jesus, God draws us along by His grace into this amazing journey that we have together. We are saved by grace through faith. And this touches every dimension of our lives. And when we understand this, our only response really can be thanksgiving and worship. We thank God for all that He's done for us. We thank God for who He is. We thank God for the love that He's lavished on us. And we say, God, I just want to live for you. I want to be your son. And I want to experience that grace gift every moment, every day of my life. And it is possible through Jesus Christ. Because that's why he died on the cross. His death on the cross was an expression of grace. The Romans didn't hang him there. The Jews didn't hang him there. He says very clearly in John that he placed his life on the cross. He had the authority to lay it down. He had the authority to take it up. And he willingly laid it down as a gift to us. And the cross couldn't keep him there in the, in the grave. On the third day, he rose again from the dead as a testimony of the power of grace to overcome all evil. And that God's unending, undying life was capable of changing the world even as it changed us. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for the amazing grace that you've shown us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we grab on to that grace. We hold on to it. We want to live it out. And we want to demonstrate our love for you every moment as we experience the fullness of your grace. Lord, in this time, we lay down our works before you. All the things that we've been trying to achieve, all the work that we thought we could do to make us good people, 
We lay it at the foot of the cross. Lord, all of our thoughts that we had enough faith to get saved by ourselves. All of our thoughts that we could do enough good works and somehow you'll be happier with us if we do a bunch of good works. All the thoughts that if we only worked harder, you'd delight in us more. We lay those at the foot of the cross. We've been saved by grace through faith. And we thank you for it. We honor you for it. And Lord, help us to live in that reality, bringing glory and honor to your Son, Jesus Christ. For we pray all this in his name. Amen.